know, we're going to take a break from the book of Revelation. And the reason being, uh, it's, it's been a year since we started meeting virtually. So uh, I thought it would be good as a, as a church or as a people to just uh, reflect on, um, I don't know, where we are, where we've been, where we are going. So I'm going to read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Uh, hear the word of the Lord. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born many were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven as and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore these all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is the word of the Lord. Let me uh, pray for us, and we'll get started. Uh, God, we thank you just for um, this time that we can you know, meet virtually and see each other. Uh, and it's it's been a uh, a year and it's a little bit hard to believe that it's been a year since we've been doing this but uh, you've been very faithful uh, to us and uh, I pray God that you know we would collectively as a community really have a sense of um, the ways that you've been growing us and sharpening us and, and um, giving us a more robust faith uh, because you do call us to uh, you know be a church and, and to be on mission and um, you know I do sense to your we're getting close to a time where uh, we can begin to think about these things and re-engage in these things. And um, I, I do pray, God, that we would be led by uh, your spirit and you would give us whatever we need, uh, whatever spiritual resources we need to, to be faithful to you. Um, and we, we ask that you start by delivering uh, your word to us, to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if, uh, you know, I'm going to take a short break from the book of Revelation. And sometimes it's good to take a break from a, uh, a series uh, for myself as well, and just to kind of go through something uh, a little bit new. But if you've been reading the news, then you know that this week marks basically a full year since um, the world changed, right? Uh, for us as a church, it's been a full year now since we stopped meeting in person and we went virtual. And it's hard to believe, but you know, some of us, we have not actually seen each other in person for a year. Uh, if you've been reading the news, you've probably seen people reflecting on, on the past year. And, you know, I myself, I, I like to listen to like sports podcasts and they were reflecting on what it was like for the NBA to shut down and what a big moment that was. And uh, how all of a sudden when that happened, the pandemic became something that was very real. And, you know, what has happened in the last year wasn't something that most, some people probably uh foresaw it, but most people, I think, couldn't have imagined what would have happened in the last year. 
Uh, as a church, we have been meeting virtually for a year now. And when we started meeting virtually, you know, we were about to have a retreat. And then we ended up canceling that retreat at the last minute. And when we started meeting virtually, I personally thought it was going to last maybe a few weeks or a few months. And uh, I never anticipated that even a year later, we would still be meeting virtually. And what I did was uh, I looked back on my sermon notes of that first Sunday that we met online. And I tried to remember what I preached on when we met virtually. And, uh, you know, I talked about a story in Joshua 3 when Israel drew closer to the land, but then they were impeded from moving forward by the Jordan River. And basically, they had to wait for God to make a way before they were able to move forward. And uh, I had said that the waiting period is when God wants us to grow in our faith and to trust in him. Well, one year later, we're still waiting, right? Uh, and I hope uh, in this past year, God has grown our faith and God has grown our uh, capacity to, to trust in him. Now, there was an article that came out uh, last year, March 20, 2020, so, so very early on. And it was by this guy named Andy Crouch, and he's a Christian and you know, he writes uh, different kinds of books on cultural topics, but he wrote this article uh, even a year ago, and this is what he said. He said, we're not going back to normal. If you're a leader in an organization, it is time to rewrite your vision deck. That presentation so many organizations have that summarizes who you are, whom you serve, why you serve them, and what you do, and how you do it. This is a time to urgently redesign our work in light of what we believe is not just a weeks-long blizzard, not even just a months-long winter, but something closer to the beginning of a 12 to 18-month ice age. And writing that a year ago, wow, uh, he was pretty spot on, right? Uh, and the illustration of the difference between uh, a small blizzard, a winter, and an ice age was really spot on. You can, you can wait out a blizzard, or you can even wait out a, a severe winter and then kind of go back to normal life. But an ice age, it, it changes everything, doesn't it? And after a year of this thing, I think we could say he was right. It's like we've been living through an ice age, and it has changed us in fundamental ways, some of which we are aware of, uh, and I suspect many ways which we probably are not aware of. Uh, technology is much more a part of our lives. Uh, we are probably less willing to interact with uh, strangers, like people we don't know, uh, than we once were. I am sure a lot of relationships have uh, been strained, whether employer-employee relationships, whether uh, relationships within uh, family. You know, I was talking to someone and saying how uh, those who are in leadership positions, whether it's at a company, whether it's at a school, even like civic leaders, um, a lot of them are probably really unpopular right now because any decision that they have to make, any choice that they have to make, inevitably, uh, a lot of people will not like. And it, sometimes it kind of feels like a lose-lose uh, situation. But, you know, the ice seems to be thawing. And it, it does look like with vaccinations, and policies are starting to loosen up and uh, people are slowly gathering again. Uh, the, I saw the mandatory quarantine for domestic travel for New York ends on April 1st. Uh, New York is loosening up on uh, some of its restrictions for gatherings. Uh, a lot of churches are have already actually started meeting in person, and a lot of the churches that actually own their own buildings, but uh, I'm starting to see a lot more churches now. They're planning to begin in-person gatherings again uh, in the next month or two. So there are signs that things are slowly coming to an end, 
And by end, I don't really mean that COVID will no longer be a problem because like there are variants and like, all these other things that could come up. But uh, it sounds like we are closer to the end of uh, this thing and we will be able to uh, meet in person and go to a restaurant. Actually, we can go to restaurants even now. Um, and it's, it seems like things uh, hopefully are heading in that direction. Um, but I guess here's the thing. I, I, we can't really return to the life that we had because we, we have been fundamentally changed by this pandemic. And uh, as the ice thaws, uh, I think it's going to turn into a cold pool and nobody wants to jump into a cold pool, right? Uh, the thought of jumping into a cold pool makes us anxious. We get close to the water and then we turn away. We dip our toe in the water and then we take it out. And we're kind of like, I, I should go in, I should go in, but I don't want to go in. And I think a lot of us are probably going to feel like that. Uh, it isn't until we have spent some time in the water and have gotten used to the water that we're going to start to uh, be okay with being in the water. But I think that initial transition getting into that pool is going to be hard. And uh, some of us may be expecting to go back to the way things were, but I'm not so sure that that's going to happen. And I don't mean for the people who are here in, in the church, but I just mean collectively. Uh, as a church, you know, of course, we want to reach out to people who are outside of our church community, right? But then uh, it's complicated. In order to feel safe, there's a sense in which you want to know, you know, what the habits are of everybody who's around you. And even with vaccines, uh, you're probably going to be asking, well, did this person get vaccinated? And why isn't that person uh, wearing their mask? Or why is the mask kind of coming uh, lower than their nose? And why aren't those people over there? Why aren't they talking uh, at a distance of six feet? And uh, has this space been cleaned? And right, we have all kinds of thoughts now. Uh, and just like meeting again is not going to be so simple. So now it's not just a matter of a heart issue of like being hospitable um, and welcoming to people and reaching out to people. But now there's all these other concerns when it comes to just being with people in general in person. And uh, I don't know when we're going to start in-person worship services, but I imagine it will happen at some point. And it's, it's not going to be the same as before because we have fundamentally changed, I think. Uh, we have changed and we, we probably won't be returning to being the church that we once knew. But, you know, that doesn't mean we cease to become a church or more specifically that we cease to become the kind of church that God wants us to be, uh, a church in mission, a church not for ourselves, but uh, a church for the city. And during my studies, uh, you know, I came across a word and uh, I guess maybe it could be a technical word. I'm going to use it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it just to give some clarity in terms of what this word means. And uh, I found this word to be very useful for a variety of reasons and different contexts. And it's the word liminality. Uh, you may have heard of it. Um, liminality refers to basically the in-between spaces. It's a transitional space. And it comes from the Latin word for threshold, as in the threshold of, of a door. And architects, I think, use this word to describe certain kinds of spaces. Uh, so, for example, a lobby might be a liminal space because it's the transitional space between the outside of the building and the inside of the building. Uh, an airport is a liminal space because it functions as a space in between your origin and your destination. And uh, beyond architecture, uh, there's an anthropologist who started to apply this term, I guess in the 60s, uh, applied this term to people and to cultures. And so for him, 
uh, he says, you know, cultures and societies are in this constant struggle between being part of the structures of society and then being outside of the structures of society. But people can't be on the outside of the structure of society forever. And eventually they uh, have to become part of the structure of society. And so that transition he calls liminality as a transition to becoming part of the structure. There's a Korean American theologian uh, who wrote a book and uh, his name is Sang Hyun Lee. And he basically takes the insights of these anthropologists and he applies it to the Asian American immigrant experience. So for example, when a group immigrates to one country to a new country, they are removed from their previous structure of the country that they came from and they become outsiders of the structure of that new country. But they can't remain on the outside of that structure for long. And so what happens is they begin to uh, undergo a process of becoming part of the structure. And that's what the anthropologist calls liminality. It's the transitional in-between period where a culture or a group leaves what it was and now new. And the thing is about liminality, it's usually understood as something that is negative. Uh, it's likened to something like death or to being in the womb to being invisible or being in the wilderness. And even if you think about architectural transitional spaces like an airport or the waiting room in a doctor's office, nobody thinks of these spaces as like great spaces, right? Uh, for immigrants, they often feel unseen because they occupy liminal spaces. Invisibility, right, is one of the char negative uh, characteristics of liminality. Uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we watched uh, Minari with Steven Yoon, which is about a, the Korean immigrant experience. And, uh, you know, I was like reading, you know, different articles and seeing different interviews with Steven Yoon. And he said, you know, when him and his father watched the film, his dad's comment to him was that he finally felt seen. You know, immigrants often feel unseen because they're in liminality, at least according to this anthropologist. And liminality is, is like an ending of some sort uh, which is experienced before you get to where you're going. And because it's an ending of a sort, uh, there is a, a, a feeling of grief or, or sadness in that. But while liminality is usually experienced as a negative experience, it's not entirely negative because uh, it also frees you from previous structures. And what it does is it enables you to create opportunities for creativity or uh, gives you opportunities to cultivate something new. So transitional seasons, whether in a people or whether in a space or an institution, it can be an opportunity to be part of creating something new. And so what some of these scholars say is that since most people see liminality as something that is negative, it's very easy to miss the opportunities presented uh, to us in these in-between spaces to be creative. I think this pandemic has been a kind of liminal season. Um, Actually, I have a book in front of me. You know, I bought a book and I, I found the title intriguing. It says, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, right? Leading in a Liminal Season. That's what it was called. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a book uh, I, I need to read uh, right now because I, I think it's true. Like, especially a couple months ago, we didn't really know where we were headed. And liminal seasons are occasions for great anxiety because uh, the comfort that you once had in terms of the security of, of knowing what to expect, all those things are uh, gone. And, but at the same time, it's also a season where uh, you can potentially create something new and that can be exciting. I remember early on, someone prayed uh, for creativity uh, when we were having prayer meetings. And I think that prayer was in line with how God can use these kinds of seasons, these liminal seasons. And I hope that as we come out of this, 
I hope in a sense we won't be the same. I hope we consider that God may want us to create something new in the season uh, after this ice age thaws, right? Now, in order for that to happen, uh, faith is incredibly important. And that makes me think of Hebrews 11, and in particular, the experience of Abraham. Now, the passage, it tells us that Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, um, if you think about that phrase, right, he went out not knowing where he was going, that's that's liminality, right? He, he was kind of in this transitional uh, period. Uh, he knew God wanted him to leave his home and to go somewhere else, but he didn't exactly know where he was going. Uh, he just knew, right, God made a promise, and by faith, he trusted that promise, right? Now, how did he do that? Uh, how did he obey God when God told him that? And it's by faith, right? Over and over in chapter 11, it says, by faith. Now, what is faith? Well, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet, not yet seen, uh, according to verse 1 of chapter 11. And so Abraham, he is able to have enough assurance in what God promised that he would be compelled to obey God on the basis of something he did not yet see. And then verse 10 says, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And so by faith, he's looking forward to another city, that he could not yet see. And that's ultimately what enabled Abraham to live obediently. Faith and obedience, they go hand in hand. But notice it says this, you know, Abraham was looking forward. You, you know, without faith, it's almost impossible to, to look forward. Um, there are plenty of examples of people who have uh, looked backwards rather than forwards, and it had uh, very dire consequences. So for example, in Genesis 19, after uh, the destruction of Sodom, you remember what Lot's wife did? Uh, it, it's just one short verse, but it says uh, Lot's wife, she looked back right towards this destroyed city and she became a pillar of salt. Now, why was looking back to this destroyed city of Sodom so bad? It, it meant her heart was still there. And if her heart was there, then her heart wasn't where God was trying to take her. And rather than look forward to what God had promised, her heart longed for uh, the destroyed city of Sodom. Now, by the way, Jesus picks up on that very short verse when he talks about his own second coming. And he says this, remember Lot's wife, kind of like a warning, right? Remember Lot's wife. Why? Because if your heart is in the kingdom of this world, rather than in the kingdom that is to come, then you will lose your bearings in terms of where your heart ought to be. The Israelites, they make the same mistake after God brought them out of Egypt. They were also in a liminal season, right? As they wandered through the wilderness. And in the wilderness, they struggled with having enough to eat and enough to drink. And even right before they were about to enter into the land of Canaan, they got some bad news that the cities were heavily fortified. Uh, and so, you know what they did? They said, let's go back, right? Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to a life of bondage, because at least in that life, we had food and water and we weren't about to die, right? So they looked back rather than forward. Why? Uh, again, I would say they lacked faith, and without faith, they could not live obediently because they could not live according to what God had promised to them. And then starting in uh, verse 13, the author of Hebrews makes the summary statement referring to Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham, and he says, 
These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And then in verse 15, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. And so in uh, Hebrews 11, you have these great cloud of witnesses and they are being commended for their faith. And the thread that the author of Hebrews connects with all of them is the thread of faith. They were able to look forward to a heavenly country rather than look back at their earthly dwelling. Now, I'm not sure if the pandemic uh, makes it easier to do that or more difficult to do that for us. Um, it's It's been a very difficult year, um, you know, even outside of, uh, you know, really um, uh, grievous things like death and, and sickness and those kinds of things. Um, even if your life uh, was spared of that and it was just about, you know, working and uh, maybe taking care of your family, even that was a very difficult thing to do in this past year. And uh, the choices that we had and uh, the anxieties that we had about different things and what used to be so simple became much more complicated. It's been a difficult, difficult year. Uh, but, you know, hardship, it, it always has a way of changing us either for good or for bad. So, you know, suffering and hardship, it can make people more compassionate or it can make people more self-absorbed, right? Uh, suffering can draw people closer to God, but suffering can also move people away from God. Uh, it can make us very grateful for the people uh, who have loved us and supported us, or it can actually make us uh, a little bit bitter towards people because we don't feel like they've done enough for us. You know, suffering leaves us, uh, usually leaves us, or rarely leaves us, I should say, unchanged. And I remember also someone praying early on in, in this pandemic that our faith wouldn't remain the same after this pandemic, right? Whatever hardship we go through, that coming out of this, we wouldn't be the same as we were before, that there would be something built within us in our faith that is more robust, and that there would be something about the quality of our faith that would be more refined, so that when God gets to a point of getting us ready to start to activate uh, in ministry uh, to the world, we would be able to actually engage in that ministry with greater faith. Now, of course, <clears throat> we aren't out of this pandemic yet. Uh, and, you know, a lot of things can happen. So who, who knows what the future holds. But uh, this message will probably come too late uh, at the point of when we are out of it. You know, the liminal spaces, that, that waiting period, that transitional period, uh, this is when we need to really check ourselves and make sure that we are living by faith with the assurance in the promises of God. And to be clear, God does not promise that we will not get the virus. He does not promise that we will live without pain or discomfort. God doesn't promise that people will always like us or appreciate us. Uh, but God promises us something much, much, much better. He promises us eternal life on the basis of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He promises us justification and acceptance on account of the cross. He promises us adoption into his family so that we will always uh, have a place to belong. He promises us the final defeat of Satan and a victorious life in Christ where we shall be more than conquerors. He promises to give us an eternal dwelling in the new heaven and new earth, which is where we derive our ultimate security. And that's something we're going to explore on Easter Sunday. You see, this great cloud of witnesses shows us 
how to live by faith, even, even though their vision is much blurrier than ours, right? This chapter shows us how to live by faith, I would say, in liminal seasons. They looked forward to a better country that is a heavenly one, even before Jesus came and revealed the entirety of God's plan of redemption. And therefore, we can look to these cloud of witnesses in their liminal seasons and see how they were able to obey God on account of their faith and be encouraged that, yes, we too can obey God as well on account of our faith. And uh, where this passage eventually leads, the application is this, consider him, right, meaning Jesus, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Uh, we need to get our bearings straight, I think, because fear and anxiety has become part of our normal existence. Uh, as I said before, uh, liminal seasons oftentimes are seasons of great anxiety. Now, while that is understandable, uh, we always need to be on guard against fear. Uh, I read something interesting about the nature of propaganda. Uh, you know what? Uh, do you know what the purpose of propaganda is? Uh, initially, I thought it was just to spread uh, disinformation, but actually, um, someone was saying the goal of propaganda is actually to spread fear, right? Why? Because when people are afraid, they're easier to manipulate. And Satan certainly knows the power of fear because he uses fear to ensure uh, that we do his work rather than God's work. And so as things start to thaw, and as we hopefully find ourselves getting closer and closer to the end of this ice age, rather than uh, closer to its beginning, one thing uh, I think we have to do is we have to press into the promises of God as much as we can. Uh, I imagine some of us, uh, we probably have this collective PTSD, right, when it comes to the pandemic. Um, probably some of our kids, uh, have it too, or at least secondhand. Um, when fear and anxiety grip you, uh, it's, it's just really important to go back to the promises of God, to, to read scripture and to pray that the Holy Spirit fill you with more of God himself. Uh, collectively, we do have to be a people who live by faith rather than fear, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what Hebrews says, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if we are a church that is unable to please God, guess what? We, we have no purpose. We have no purpose. I, I am hopeful um, that fruitful ministry lies ahead of us. Um, and I think fruitful ministry is, of course, going to look very different than what it once was. Um, we probably will have to be much more creative in terms of what it means to be a faithful witness to the gospel. But you know what? We, we have to be ready to walk in faith and obedience, um, even in this liminal season, uh, because there will be a time where God will uh, want to activate us for ministry, uh, to serve him again. And uh, it's something that we have to be ready for. You know, early on in the pandemic, uh, we read from Psalm 91 because it explicitly talks about how God is our refuge, even in the face of deadly pestilence. And we read Psalm 91 because it specifically talked about deadly pestilence. Now, it sounded like an appropriate psalm to read during that time. And I thought it would actually be nice to read it again after experiencing uh, the things of this past year and to remember once again, God is our refuge. Um, you know, our faith tells us that our ultimate protection it uh, doesn't actually come from a vaccine, uh, but our ultimate protection comes from him. Our, 
eternal security comes from him. He is our refuge. He is our fortress. And he is the one in whom we ought to trust. So I'm going to pop up um, Psalm 191 on the screen again. And um, however you want to receive it or hear it, uh, you can read along or you can close your eyes. But let's meditate on Psalm 91 um, one year later. And remember that these truths, these things have not changed and God continues to be uh, our refuge. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's pray. Uh, God, we, um, uh, we know that uh, this past year has not been easy for anybody. And, um, you know, anytime uh, someone asks, uh, how have you been? Uh, I guess the answer we give is, how has anybody been? Uh, it's just been a, a really tough year. And, you know, there, there is some... Uh, uh, potential good news, and uh, it looks like things are starting to thaw. Um, and as we have lived in this kind of period of transition in this pandemic, uh, I pray, God, that you would remind us, you would help us get our bearings right again, and uh, you would remind us of the uh, importance of faith. Uh, in a sense, uh, many of your people have gone through difficult things in the past, um, you know, your church has gone through even uh, probably more difficult things in the past uh, compared to what we're going through now. And, uh, um, and there have been uh, really great examples of living by faith. And, you know, in this season where there's a lot of uncertainty and, you know, sometimes it's, it's even hard to know what's the most loving thing to do. And uh, there's a lot of confusion and anxiety uh, within us. Uh, the one thing we ask for, God, is the gift of faith. Um, may we uh, trust in your promises and uh, help us to uh, resist fear and anxiety, which indeed are powerful forces, um, something uh, that's been a, a constant companion in, in this past year. Um, but help us to lean into your promises, to lean in so much so that we would um, be assured of our hope uh, and even though we don't see these promises yet fulfilled, that it would be something that we would cling on to. Help us to be like Abraham. Help us to be like these cloud of witnesses, to 
not look backwards, but to look forwards to the kingdom that is to come, to look forward to the uh, new heaven and new earth, to this new Jerusalem, and um, to make sure that our hearts are uh, where you are. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.